it's not just the sport it's you know it may sound cliche but it's not just the sport it's kind of a way of life and that's how it's been for me i've tried to to live my life uh, with spirit of the game with the integrity that we see throughout ultimate it's just amazing and i love to share it as much as possible Good morning and thank you all for joining me on a holiday edition of the Richard Listens podcast. I'm Richard Olberger, clinical psychologist and PhD, bringing you new and exciting guests from all over the sports world. Today, my guest, Mr. Jeffrey Landisman. He is from the Southern California Disc Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, and I'm so excited to bring him to you. He has uh, have a long and storied career. He played for the Brain Eaters and the Irvine Mud Sharks. He also helped the Sharks upset the national champion Santa Barbara Condors at the 1982 Regionals in Irvine. He played after college on many LA-based teams, finally helped the LA drivers get to nationals in 1987 and 88. He helped form the SoCal Iguana. The team combined players from LA and San Diego. The Iguana made the semis at Nationals in 1989, 90, and 91. Throughout the years, he's also continued to compete on a national stage, winning dozens of local tournaments, including LA Winter League, St. Pat's Hat, Layout Beach, Fall Beach League, and One Love, One Beach. In the Masters Division I, he led the Pond Scum to a one-point loss in the 2000 National Finals, as well as a loss with the Santa Barbara Beyondors in the 2011 Nationals Finals. Jeff works in community. He also does work, training, development, and continues to work with the professional Ultimate Frisbee League. Without further ado, I welcome Jeffrey Landisman. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great. Having a great day. I appreciate you joining us this Thanksgiving week. I know you're with family and making time for our listeners and our audience, and it means a lot. That's yeah, my pleasure. So uh, I had a tough time keeping uh, the names of the teams you played on straight without laughing. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's ultimate for you. And, and yeah, that, they're not even the funniest ones. But <laughs> what's the funniest team name you've uh, played on or played against? Oh my goodness! Well, I was just thinking today about Frank Zappa, and uh, there's a mixed team that uh, I don't know if you know. Moving to Montana the song by Frank Zappa and it's a, a de being a dental floss tycoon and they were the mental toss fly coons. I always thought that was funny, but there, there's so many great, there's so many great names. Uh, obviously for me, probably the, the most fun name is the matzo balls, which is uh, a team that we met every year to, uh, to play at the April fools tournament in Santa Cruz. And it was, it was people from all different um, open teams that came together and they were all Jewish. And it was, uh, uh, you know, balls got lots of brains, got lots of bagels, never frozen because we are the chosen uh, <laughs> with one of our cheers. And we would dance and sing and uh, eat matzo ball soup. And, and so that was probably one of my most fun teams that I played on. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so many angles we can go from right there. I mean, I want to get into your work, um, not only within the Jewish community, but also uh, in the Middle East and trying to create peace through sport. Um, you know, and your volunteer work. Uh, what led you as an athlete to choose this direction? Uh, to choose ultimate in 
uh, well, um, Ultimate is a sport initially. Right, right. Uh, so Ultimate was created in 1968. So by the time I started playing, it was it was 10 years old. It was created in Maplewood, New Jersey, um, uh, at Columbia High School. And all the uh, people who who created it at the high school then went on to college and spread it through college. So by the time I started playing, it was 10 years old. It was still pretty young, and I had played all you know every sport. From the time I was a little kid, and loved every sport. Was mostly playing soccer at the time, and um, probably you know being a little bit of a hippie at that point in the in the nineteen uh, seventies. Uh, the fact that um, spirit of the game is a rule written into the to the handbook of ultimate, the rules of ultimate, and that um, you know coming from other sports, that you know sportsmanship was not the the most important thing. Um, with with ultimate sportsmanship is the most important thing, and that um, and, and that uh, really led me to ultimate. Really uh, kept me there and kept me going. Um, you know, camaraderie with teammates, but as uh, also with uh, with uh, folks you're playing against with with the other team, and that's just something that you don't see in other sports. And uh, so that's 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 what what led me there. And then uh, fast forward to our matzo ball team, which was invited in, in, uh, 2005 to Israel to just teach ultimate, to, to Jewish Israelis, uh, matzo balls were invited to, to, um, to Israel to go and teach at Herzliya on the beach, uh, for some be- a beach tournament, but also just to, to, to teach, uh, uh, Jewish Israelis who had been playing ultimate. Um, and that was great. And anybody who plays ultimate and knows what the sportsmanship and spirit of the game is, uh, will tell you that, oh, what a great idea it is to try to use spirit of the game and use ultimate to teach people conflict resolution and how to get along. So between 2005 and 2009, we were, we were like, this was great. What a great idea. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could get um, Arab Israelis and Palestinians to join the Jewish Israelis? And and that's where we came up the name with Ultimate Peace. And we had our first day in 2009 it was just one day um in uh the park uh Hadikon park in tel aviv and uh, we brought um big bus loads of kids from all three uh groups and it was just amazing and so by the next year in 2010 we started a camp we started a year-round program where we we're working in villages all throughout the middle east and uh it blossomed into just such a wonderful experience for the people who are working there, the kids who are coming to the program, and um, and everybody everybody involved, and everybody that you tell if it's a person who doesn't know anything about Ultimate, they say, "Well, it's a great idea. What a what a nice idea." But if it's somebody who's played Ultimate and knows about Spirit of the Game, they're like, "That makes so much sense. That's the best way that you could probably you know try to teach kids just to get along and to respect each other because that's what's so important about Ultimate is that." You know, you have respect for your teammates as well as your opponents. So how do you, yeah, there's so many angles I want to go, but how do you take a sport then that's based on such core values that I really resonate with and then make it professional? Because that's usually when the values get compromised. Right, right. And uh, and so for, you know, over 50 years, Ultimate has been battling with that. And how do we become more mainstream how do we get ourselves, get our sport into the Olympics when we don't have referees, when, you know, it's all, um, 
self-officiated, you know, and that's a battle that we've gone through forever. And a lot of people are like, well, we don't want to bring it into the mainstream. We want to keep it where it is. But other people knowing, you know, how wonderful a sport is and how fan friendly it is and how wonderful it is for spectators, you know, wanted to move to higher levels, wanted to move to uh, professionalize the sport. Um, so that's a battle that we've always gone through in um, probably about 10, 15 years ago, the MLU, the major league ultimate started and they started paying um, players to, to play and it didn't really catch on. And then um, a few years later, the American ultimate disc league, which is the league that the Los Angeles aviators play in and now has 24 franchises around the country started. And, and it's hard. It's, a, it's an excellent question because it's hard because obviously in a professional sport, you can't be self-officiated completely. There has to be some third party um, that is helping make decisions or else discussions slash arguments are going to go on forever. How can you, you know, professionalize that? How can nobody's going to want to watch that? So um, in non, non-professional ultimate and, and um, we've started using observers at the highest levels and there's lots of different levels of observers where they may just call in or out um, or they may call all the fouls. They may do everything. Um, so from that model, the professional ultimate, the AUDL um, has referees started using referees um, that, you know, from what I've explained and, and what we know about ultimate, it's really completely against uh, everything we, we, you know, we love playing for, but obviously you need to have that. You need to move the game along. The games are timed. Um, so the way we kind of have gotten around that is we have, uh, and it's something called the integrity rule and that gives the power back to the players. So referees are there, um, in ultimate when, once you've, um, you have the disc, once you possess the, the disc, you, uh, in you have 10 seconds to, to throw it or else it's a stall. You've been stalled out. In the AUDL, they've lowered that to seven seconds. So obviously that's one area that would be pretty easy to cheat in open ultimate. People count at different rates. You know, a 10 second stall can be counted in five seconds. Um, so the referees do um, count the stalls. So when you catch the disc, they'll say stall and they'll you move their hands and do silent counts until they get to five. And then they'll say five, six, and they'll blow the whistle at seven. And that means it's a stall. The possession goes to the other team. Um, so that's one way to level, you know, level the playing field, make it, um, um, a, you know, not, not being able to cheat, not being able to just, you know, count as fast as you want. Um, but the integrity rule is something where, uh, one of the areas in ultimate are fouls, like in, in a lot of sports, if I'm going to catch the disc and I get hit, if I get taken out, even if the person hits the disc first and then takes me out, it's a dangerous play, it will still be considered a foul. So in regular ultimate, not professional, without observers or referees, I call a foul if you hit me, if I think you've hit me. Um, and we can discuss it. If it, we can't resolve it, it's a do-over. Like when you're a little kid playing touch football, and it goes back to the thrower. Um, but in professional ultimate, if the referee calls something, maybe um, uh, I go make a play on you, and the referee calls a foul, they say, I've hit you. 
uh, you can go and say, hey, no, it's not a foul. I'm invoking the integrity rule. Um, let's play on. He didn't foul me. So, so you can use integrity to uh, overturn the call of the referee. I can't imagine that happening in any other sport. The World Cup is going on right now. Can you imagine when flopping and 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 a referee calls a foul? Can you imagine the guy going up and going, "No, he really didn't foul me. It's okay. Let's play on." Um, so that's one way that we have been able to balance spirit of the game and the integrity of the sport with a professional sport. So we have those referees, but they can be overturned by players who are um, who are showing integrity and and. For us, that's that's just great when we see that happen on the field, even if it's something that's going against my team that I'm coaching. I go, well, that's great, you know, you know, I'm I'm glad you call that. I'm glad you're using the integrity rule. So that's you know the main way that we've yeah. What what a teachable, you know, we look as a sports psychologist, someone who has coached youth sports, right? We're really looking for these moments, right? There's been teams that my son has played on that like. You know, due to puberty, one one age group is just like a foot and a half and 50 pounds heavier. Right. And, you know, when there's some degree of sportsmanship or helping somebody up or being friends after the game or, right, uh, it, it just lights me up because, uh, you know, that's that's what they're out there for. Um, exactly. I mean, that's what sports are, you know, to me, it's like I grew up just being such a huge fan of sports, playing every sport. But as an adult and as I started coaching, that's what it meant to me that I'm building integrity and I'm building kids who are honest. And I had um, I coached AYSO soccer for years and I had my son was really good. So I had really good teams, really good all star teams. And there was just one time when um, the ref called a goal kick. For our team and and my goalie said to the ref, I touched it, it should be a corner kick unheard of and i was so proud of him and the ref came up to me after the game and said you know i just need to point out that this player you know what he did and that's you know that's what it's all about you're you're building people you know men and women who are you know grow up to 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 be leaders of the country or whatever and you want them to be honest and have integrity so for me looking back all my years of coaching in, in soccer that's one of the memories that sticks out the most that this, you know, kid who just said, no, I touched it should be a corner kick. That's beautiful. That's what we're, and, and that's what ultimate's about, you know, you know, on all levels, it's, you know, showing that you can be, you can uh, be playing at the highest level, but you can still have integrity and spirit and do the right thing. So, and well, we're you're really about speaking ultimate- to deeper core values, your deeper core values, and and some of the deeper core values behind a sport ethic, and what we can teach, right? As coaches, as um, you know, building a sporting community like you've done with Ultimate, uh, I'll just share with you, uh, you know, a brief moment from AYSO uh, lore. Just because you're a coach, you know, I was happened to be heading back down from a men's mountain retreat the day that Kobe Bryant passed. Oh. And we were playing our bitter rival from, from you know, South L.A., Baldwin Hills area. And the coach, I think before the game, kind of came over and gave a look like, you know, my kids don't know yet kind of a thing. And um, I just remember, you know, I, I, I think, you know, it was just such a bitter rivalry. And I think they beat us in two to one or something that day. But 
it was really clear. You know, the nonverbal was like, we're got a bigger job the, the moment this game ends um, about how we teach our kids uh, and, 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 and the respect. And you could feel it conveyed to the parents. And I don't think there were a lot of words spoken, you know, that day. So I just, I just always think about that when you were talking, you know, that yeah, there's these moments we've obviously seen the coaches that do it wrong or parents that are the examples of screaming and yelling and, Right, screaming at the referee, but there there are these opportunities, and, and how amazing is it that you found not only a, a sport that creates a culture of fun and honesty uh, and a level of professionalism as an athlete, right? Let's let's face it, right? This is like serious athletes who are still trying to go out there and compete, and you've find, found a way to bring it to being kind of a mission. Has that always been part of your ethos? Uh, or did that just happen organically? I don't know. That's an excellent question. I don't know if it's always been part of my ethos. I think growing up um, and playing sports, you know, I don't know that I had that integrity. Uh, um, just, you know, wanted to compete, wanted to win. And then when I started playing Ultimate, I, obviously I, I love, like I said, I, that's why I started playing and keep playing to this day. Love the spirit of the game. Love um Love the camaraderie, but also the you know doing the right thing. Um, but when I was competing at the highest levels, we wanted to win so badly. We wanted to win the national championship so badly. And um, to me, it's really wonderful that I feel like back in the '80s and '90s when we were going to national championships, um, spirit of the game was a thing. It was part of the rules. It it may not necessarily have uh, have been the most important thing. And we had, you know, bitter games with, we had some bitter rivals back in the day, San Francisco and New York and some of the, the bigger teams that we played. Um, and, it, you know, it was win at all costs in a lot of those games. Um, and so for me to see that now my son is playing at the highest level, he actually just won a national championship a couple of weeks ago, which was spectacular at 21 years old. Um, I see at the highest levels, spirit of the game all the time somebody you know helping somebody else up getting knocked down and, and you look at other sports and you don't you see in football you know the guys on his own team is picked you hardly ever see anybody pick somebody up from the other team and stuff and it's so uh you know it's such a wonderful thing and i think it's something that um i've come to learn and uh come to develop over all my years of playing sports and coaching sports and being involved in ultimate that, you know, the most important thing is the sportsmanship. The most important thing is at the end of the day, being able to look yourself in the mirror and said, you did the right thing. And you, and you, you know, you have integrity and you, and you, uh, and you, you know, you've done the right thing, whether it's, whether you've won or whether you've lost. So I don't know. I don't think it's something that was always ingrained in, in, in me. But it's something that over my career of coaching and um, other sports is, and then definitely ultimate and playing ultimate that I've just come to realize is the most important thing, you know. So, so and, and maybe tell our listeners, so how many years did you play professionally and how did you wind up becoming uh, the coach here in Los Angeles? So I've never played professionally because um, by the time the professional leagues, I, well, I take that back. I, in, in high school, 
I, you know, we went out to a tournament in Mars, Pennsylvania when I was still in high school before I came to college. And, uh, you know, we drove out to, from New York City and, and we played in this tournament over, um, 4th of July weekend and we won like probably $300, which ended up being like $17.50 for each of the players on the team. And I'm like, <laughs> I've got $17.50. I don't need to go to college. I can play ultimate professionally. And, you know, uh, clearly I probably spent about about $250 or $300 on my own just getting out there with gas and food and lodging and everything like that. But I end up at the end of the day with $17.50. Um, so uh, so then I went to college and and was supposed to play soccer. I had been recruited to play soccer at Pomona Pitzer. I went to Pitzer and it started playing, playing ultimate and just you know, completely fell in love with it and started the team um at pitzer which we named the pitzer brain eaters speaking of great names and the pitzer brain <laughs> they turned into the claremont brain eaters now but the brain eaters are still a division three uh college team and they go to d3 nationals uh every year and um that's like my baby i started that you know when i when i was 18 um and then after college played open club ultimate but um but professional ultimate wasn't, you know, I was in my fifties when it started. So, so I wasn't getting recruited to play any professional ultimate. So I've never played professionally, <laughs> but I've played open, um, at all levels from pickup to national championships for about 40, 40, 45 years I've been playing. And, um, and as I got a little older, there's, there's a master's division, which is, very young it's like 33 and older and then there's a, a grandmasters which is 40 a great grandmasters which is 50 and just recently they started the legends division which is like 60 years and older so i still keep uh keep playing all these different levels but never never played professionally um um the los angeles aviators started in 2015 and i was just a huge fan because obviously i'm like finally there's professional ultimate they only had it when I was, you know, when I was a kid, but, um, and they don't get paid a lot of money. It's not a living wage by any means, but it's professional ultimate. They get paid, um, players and coaches get, uh, all their travel expenses paid for. So all the, you know, uh, all the airfare and, and hotels get paid for, which, you know, back when I'm playing open and traveling to nationals and everything, I spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars over the years to, to play. 1750. You know, Right. What's that? Yeah, that's definitely right. The um, but that's what we always say. You know, we we pay to play, and we we always had and and loved doing it. But all those years, um, so 2015 they started, and I became a super fan. I just you know went to all the games and and loved it so much. Then in 2019, my son was a, a senior in high school, and for the ADL for the professional leagues, you have to be 18 years old. So he got signed like. A week after his 18th birthday and so that was great i'm like oh my god my son's playing professionally i hope he does okay i hope he holds his own in the first game he got to play and first point he scored a goal i'm like whoa he just scored a goal and he had a great season um that that year and then um in 2020 they uh the owners of the la aviators came to me and said hey we'd like you to coach and i'm like okay i mean i have a lot of experience in ultimate i have a lot of experience uh coaching you know and i think part of it is all the years of coaching uh, at ultimate peace um 
I'm like, well, let's see what, what, you know, I have to offer. So we put a team together, had tryouts, uh, went through the whole process. And then of course we didn't have a season in 2020 because of COVID. So, so that was kind of frustrating, but then 2021, um, my, uh, son was in, uh, was in college and he played with us. I put the team together. So he played under me, which was, uh, weird because I'd never really coached him at ultimate. I had, you know, coached him on a, on a personal level, but not on a team level coached him in soccer for years. So here I am coaching him in ultimate and he's become so good. Um, and that was really fun. And then this last season, um, they got two new, uh, three new franchises, one in Salt Lake city, one in Portland, Oregon, and one in Colorado. And my son's at Colorado university. So he stayed in Colorado. I said, if you come home for the summer, you're playing with the aviators. But if you stay in Colorado, you should play with this new team and the summit, the Colorado summit did great in the West. They ended up winning the West last year. So um, so this will be, uh, my third season coaching. I'm going into my third season coaching and I've learned a lot and, you know, I, I just really love it. It's so fun because I love the sport so much. And you must be um, so proud. So is your son, is it affected his college trajectory at all? His ultimate career? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> so it's certainly, certainly, um, looking at schools, it was definitely like he didn't really look at any schools that didn't have an ultimate program and uh wow. and, and ended up going to see you well, i'm uh, sorry give us the breakdown how many schools have a, a club right now like do you know the the numbers in d1 um yeah. i don't know the number but it's it's you know most most schools all the way d1 d2 and d3 most schools have ultimate programs but i guess what i what i meant was was more of a a good ultimate program something that you know you have a, a chance to get to nationals and, and play at a high level um so how is it you know he's he's an electrical engineer um and he's a senior this year and he's thinking about doing a master's you know doing a one-year master's does he need to, does he really want to get a master's degree or does he want to have his fifth year of eligibility in college for ultimate i don't know but either way i'm fine with it so it's definitely um it's, it's part of my my whole family's um kind of trajectory and life my my wife plays ultimate and that's how we met and then um my oldest daughter went to uh, clark university in worcester and she started the women's program there and my middle daughter says she doesn't play but she's probably the best one when she goes out and plays she does her <laughs> she does really well but she prides herself well, i need it. to take a parenting class from you i have got three kids and you've seen me at a collegiate soccer field, so I don't know what I said or did to them around basketball, but none of them. <laughs> none of them. <laughs> they all play baseball and soccer. No, oh, and, and basketball, is, basketball is your thing. Basketball is my jam. So That's funny. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we were always, with my oldest, as soon as, you know, when she was, from the time she was born, she was on the sidelines, dragged to games. And so when she got to be old enough to be able to stay home by herself, she did. She didn't want to come to Ultimate anymore. So I thought, you know, there's no way. And then um, back to Ultimate Peace, she came to me in 2000, with me in 2010, um, over to the Middle East when we had our first year of camps. And she came and was an assistant coach and fell in love with the spirit of the game, fell in love with Ultimate and has not looked back, has just been, you know, um, young ho on Ultimate on all levels ever since then. Um, you know, I think we always tried to not push them into it too much. You know, we we brought them out when they were old enough to play pickup with the with the adults and stuff. They would, but uh, so uh, 
I, I don't know what the formula is, but uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, as long as they're playing sports, as long as you know, I was always like, as long as they're happy, that's the main thing. We want them to be happy. But we've been lucky that that uh, that the kids have wanted to play, continue to want to play ultimate. So right, that's a tricky thing. in, in my work with sports parents, right. We want them to be happy, but we also want them to like what we like. So it's really right. nice when there's uh, a shared experience. And and I'm fortunate from my own son's you know pursuit of soccer that I've gotten to see the world through him and meet amazing families. And uh, it, it allows me to have that kind of beginner's mind because I've always accepted that probably every parent or coach knows more than I do. So <laughs> right, and you feel like if you push them in, you know, you, you're going to play baseball, you're going to go out there, you're going to, you know, the more you push them, the more they're not going to want to do it. So we were kind of, you know, we kind of let them, you know, oh, you want to play uh, women's lacrosse? Okay, I'll go out to a women's lacrosse game. I have no idea what's going on. I don't know why they blow the whistle every five seconds and they keep stopping, but we'll support that. Um, <laughs> and and, and with, like with baseball with my son, it's like, I love baseball. I grew up with baseball, but it's, you know, it's such a boring sport. It just really is. And when he was playing, when he was playing Little League, it was like, we'd go out there and, you know, we'd be out there for three hours. He'd ran like, you know, for 10 minutes of that time. And then we'd go to a soccer and he'd be out there for an hour and a half or two hours. And he ran the whole time and he'd come back and he really got a workout. And so when he was 12 and he was like, I don't think I, I don't think I want to move up to the next level. We were like, okay, problem but uh yeah yeah, one thing is for sure when the motivation comes from inside they're going to stick with it a lot longer and they're going to be a lot happier yeah of course of course and you're just i don't know if it's parenting or if it's just luck but i think it's more just luck that if they're doing the thing that you you know have done yourself have always wanted them to do i think it's it's just it's just luck really so yeah. So tell us a little bit more, you know, the, the, the work abroad, the work with peace, where do you see it now? Uh, what that's, directions can we, yeah, that's an excellent question. Cause, um, 2019 was the, the last year of our camp in 2020, we weren't able to have camp due to COVID and we haven't had it since then. And in the interim during that time, there's been a lot of talk about, the direction of the program and what's happening with the program. We lost a lot of the Palestinian kids because they just, they didn't really feel like peace was, was, was what people really want. And uh, so in the interim, we have, um, we've rebranded and we have kind of, it's still ultimate peace, but there's two kind of things we're doing in the Middle East, we've rebranded. It's called Unify, and we've we've uh, restarted the program, and we're uh, getting donations from people. And in the Middle East, we are training coaches. We're focusing on the villages and the individual coaches, and getting the program uh, up and running again over there in the Middle East. But at the same time, I and mean, we've always said we could do ultimate peace anywhere we could go to africa we could go to south america we could go to anywhere we could be right here in the united states we can be in los angeles we could be in new york there's so many places that people need to learn how to live together right um so for um what we're doing now is we're keeping the name ultimate peace in the united states 
We're changing the name in the Middle East to Unifly. We're working on um, having a complete um, Middle East staff that works over there. A lot of the graduates of the program, and we've seen kids that in 2009, 2010 started in the program um, and are now adults, and they either are working in the program in the Middle East or they've gone to all different places in the world and they brought the idea of ultimate peace and our values to uh, to the rest of the world. And it's just beautiful to see. So in the Middle East, we're, we're having the program Unify, but this summer we're going to run a camp in the United States, um, in New Jersey, and we're bringing kids from all over the country. There's a number of programs um, that work in inner cities and work with underserved uh, kids from all over the United States, trying to get them into ultimate. I mean, one of the things about ultimate, you don't need a whole lot of gear. It's not like a hockey program or a football program where you need a bunch of expensive gear. You know, one plastic disc, you know, if you don't have cones, you can use shoes to mark the field. Um, so we've moved into the inner cities in, in, in many of the states in the United States. So we're going to have a program where we're going to bring kids to New Jersey and we're going to have a week long program. And it's going to be uh, the, the thing about ultimate peace that it's always, you know, been about ultimate. We're learning ultimate. We're playing ultimate. We're playing this sport. But it's not only about ultimate. It's about, you know, peace. It's about getting along it's about you know the values the five values that we have and um so we're going to bring people from all over the of the united states together and one of the wonderful things about it is we're going to bring some of our middle east graduates of the program over to help run the program so they're going to be helping to to spread you know the love and the ultimate peace uh in the united states so that's the the two directions that we're going right now and you know we will bolster the campaign because um we're a nonprofit and everything all our uh funds that we have come from donations from individuals and from corporations and so we're going to push to to raise a bunch more money for program unify in the middle east as well as the program ultimate peace here in the united states terrific so jeff in our last five minutes i'll ask you one big heavy question and then a couple simple Silly okay. questions, maybe about the rules. Uh, so let's go uh, maybe big first in line with what you're talking about. What's the power of Ultimate Frisbee and uh, to create peace beyond hatred? What's the power that it can be used for in the world right now? I think that's such a great question because I think if I could use one word, it would be inclusion. and that's the thing to me that's so beautiful about ultimate we have people who start playing who never really like sports or they like sports but you know didn't feel comfortable in a in a team situation didn't grow up you know being the star basketball player or the star football player um and they come to ultimate and they discover it and they feel at home there's so many people start playing and just feel like i've been looking for this my whole life i feel I feel empowered. I feel included. I feel like uh, people take me for who I am. And um, even in Ultimate, we've had a, a hard time with uh, equity, uh, gender equity, and all, all forms of equity, but we do so much better than most other sports. So I think that's the power of it, that it's bringing people in. We have like 
like we have a pickup, a local pickup game in Pasadena and we're, we play out in the park and anytime somebody walks by and is even looking at us, hey, you want to come try it out? You want to come play? Oh, I can't really throw a Frisbee. Don't worry, we'll teach you how to throw a Frisbee. Come on in. So it's really including everybody. I think that's the power, um, uh, one of the powers of Ultimate to include people. And then the other thing is the spirit of the game. The fact that that winning is not the most important thing. Doing it right is the most important thing. And I think that's what has helped us show, show people around the world that through our sport, we can learn to get together. That you know what we want. What we want is people to get together and be together. When we first started the program, we we brought um this the individuals we got the kids we got came from programs that played basketball together that played soccer together and that had coaches and we brought the coaches with them um and so those first couple of years something would happen on the field and those local coaches who've been coaching them in these other sports would run out on the field and we're like no 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 come back and the kids would look to us and we would just turn our back nope, you need to figure it out. You need to do, you know, because they're so used to looking at the coach, looking at the referee, looking at an external entity to solve their problems. They're like, no, we're not going to solve the problem for you. We can help you with some rules. We can help you with, you know, what the rule is here, but we're not going to tell you if he was in And what does that teach them, Jeff? What skill? I'm sorry? What skill does that teach them? It teach them conflict resolution and it teach teaches them uh figuring out things for their for themselves and not you know and not looking to somebody else to solve their problems for them you need to solve your problems you know yourself and with the person you're, you're having the problem with oh that too yeah. yeah yeah okay that's amazing and so three minutes of ultimate frisbee for dummies how do you score points how okay do you decide a so, winner? so ultimate has been um People have said it's like a combination of soccer and basketball and all these other sports. Um, basically, it's seven versus seven on uh, a 70 yard long field with 20 yard long end zones, 40, 40 width. Um, and it starts with a pole, which is like a kickoff. So one team throws it down to the other. Once you have possession, you need to, you can't run with it. Like in basketball, you have to get a pivot foot. You can't pick up that pivot foot, that's a travel. And you need to uh, possess the disc going down the field. So by throwing it to your teammates until the last throw is into the end zone for a catch. And that's one point. That's a goal. Um, and that, um, is, like I said, no running. Once you catch it, you take your momentum. If you're moving forward to stop, then you stop, make your throw. The defense is not allowed to take the Frisbee out of your hand, take the disc out of your hand. They're allowed to hit it as you're throwing it or hit it um, when it's in the air, hit it right before you catch it. So any um, anytime you're not possessing the disc, it's a turnover and it immediately goes, the offense goes to defense, defense goes to offense. So if, it, if I throw a pass that you don't catch, defense becomes offense. If I throw a pass that they catch or they knock down, anytime you're not possessing anymore, it immediately goes um, offense to defense. And that's one of the things that makes the sport uh very hard but you know you know so much running and you you know you play a couple points of of ultimate and it's like 
you know, so, you know, different than most other sports. I mean, soccer, you're running the whole time. Mm-hmm. Basketball, you're running the whole time. A lot of other sports, there's a lot of downtime. You're not running. And so it sounds like you might recruit a lot of really fast people and maybe I could be good. Maybe you need some tall people in the end zone. Yeah, definitely. Put it up to the big guy in the end zone. So, <laughs> um, so that's how it works. And then once uh, I throw it to you, if you're on my team in the end zone, that's one point. And then we become the team that's pulling to the other team. In the AUDL, they've changed some of the rules in the professional league. The Because it's so easy to play on football fields, they've changed the width of the field. So instead of 40 yards wide, it's uh, 53 and third, which is the uh, width of a football field. So we can then play on a football field, mark it off really easily. So it's a lot wider, which um, which makes it harder for defense. There's more rule, uh, more room, so it's harder for the defense. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why the stall count has gone from 10 seconds, yeah, 10 seconds to throw, to only seven seconds to throw. And a couple other rules, like you're allowed to double team person who has the disc. Obviously, somebody's going to be open, but it's really hard when you have two big guys trying to block you for, from throwing that. So, but uh, wow. yeah, in a nutshell, that's that's ultimate frisbee. Exciting, exciting! I can't wait to watch again. So, when can we see? The next uh, LA game and tell everyone how to get a hold of you or find out your, your webpage. I know we're going to have some of the nice graphics you sent us in the show notes, but uh, just for our listeners out there. Excellent. We're starting tryouts in the beginning of January. First weekend in January is when we'll have tryouts. The season starts at the end of April. We'll have a, a couple open tryouts and then we'll have uh, practices. Um, if you go on the LA Aviators website, you can find out when and where tryouts are. And if you want to come on out, that'd be great. Um, and then our first games, we have 12 games during the season. We play, um, there's seven teams in, in the Western Division. There's San Diego, Los Angeles, Oakland, Portland, Seattle, Utah, and Colorado. So we play each team twice. We play once at home in Los Angeles and once on the road in, in their cities. Um, and so, yeah, well, the schedule will come out uh, probably in March or so, and would love to have you come out. If uh, anybody wants any information about Ultimate Peace or about the LA Aviators, they can contact me. You can give out my uh, email address. Um, it's just jeffreylandisman at gmail.com. Uh, uh, ultimatepeace.org is a way to find out more about that. But uh, I love to talk about Ultimate. We love to uh, promote Youth Ultimate in Los Angeles. So um, we try to do that as much as possible. And uh, it's just, you know, it's been such a huge part of my life since I was 16 years old and discovered it. And uh, it continues to be such a huge part of my life and my family's life that I, I can talk for days and days about Ultimate, about what it means to me about what it means, um, you know, what it means to people who play and how important it is. But it's not just the sport. It's, you know, it may sound cliche, but it's not just the sport. It's kind of a way of life. And that's how it's been for me. I've tried to to live my life uh, with spirit of the game, with the integrity that we see throughout Ultimate. And uh, it's just amazing. And I'd love to share it as much as possible. So. It was great meeting you. you. Yeah, I'm so glad I ran into you at a soccer field with your with your jersey on. I was like, "What's where's he? What's he going to play? Where where's the?" Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've loved meeting you and talking about New York stuff and everything. So, <laughs> so 
Yeah, tough week for the Giants. Hopefully, a better Thanksgiving. Yeah, we'll see on Thursday. I'm not uh, not <laughs> not too optimistic, but you know, if you had told me at the uh, after ten mm-hmm. games there'd be seven and three in the beginning of the season, I would have been very happy with that. So. <laughs> Good. Well, Jeff, it's a real pleasure. I thank you uh, for all our listeners out there. Um, please reach out to Jeff if you want to get involved with something. If you or your child is looking for a sport or some way to get active and get connected to others, being social, so important to our mental and social sense of being together. So many things, anxiety, depression, ADHD come from really being disconnected. Uh, so, you know, we bring you sports, we bring you individuals like Jeff to show you a pathway uh, to getting healthy, to getting curious, to getting playful. So please uh, come out to a game, come watch uh, a practice and find out how to get involved. Um, and thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting me. Uh, I'm thankful and grateful for all those in my life, those I meet on the sports journey and for the opportunity to speak to all of you, no matter where you are. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Take care. Thank you. Thanks. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks.